0: Welcome to Resilience Unraveled, a series of podcasts helping you produce performance on purpose. For more information, go to our site, qedod.com forward slash podcasts. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome to Resilience Unraveled, our regular podcast series helping you help yourself improve your resilience. Uh, Today, um, I'm joined by my colleague, Janet Webber, and we're going to sort of look back at some of the podcasts we've done already and produce a little digest of many of the key learning points and then point you to some of the podcasts we're going to be launching in the next um, quarter. So, hi, Janet. Hi there, Russell. How are you? All right? I'm fine. And bizarrely, even though we're colleagues and work together, we're doing this on our usual Skype wave, over <laughs> the airwaves. We're just, yeah. We're just proving that Janet can do technology. That's what it is. Uh, yeah, it's one button. That's all right. I can manage that. Cool. <laughs> you here. then. So, well, let's kick the ball off. I mean, Janet, what's, what, what, thinking back on some of the podcasts in this digest, what What are some of the things that's Pick Pick one to start off with, one that's had an impact for you and... The sort of key messages that came up for you.
1: Yeah. I, I think at the very beginning of our series, we had Veronica Pullen, um, Social Marketing Queen. She joined us for a, a really interesting podcast. And I was especially wowed by her because um, she was very passionate about what she was doing. And she had huge amount of commitments even though she had so many sort of personal health challenges to contend with um, that really did drain her energy. So that was, that was a, sort of a bit of a, um, a light bulb moment, how she managed her energy.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. We use our own ropes model, don't we, to help us think about this. It is interesting. People say to me, how can I tell what my energy is like? And I often suggest that it's a good idea to think back over the last week or so and think about times, sort of situations, or people you've met that sort of hoover your energy out. Because there are people that just literally can suck the living lifeblood out of you, aren't they? I mean, not <laughs> vampires. I mean, just energy energy vampires. They're just, they're just quite peculiar. And yeah, you're right. She was the sort of person where she had to reach, she had a limited source of energy every day and she had to really be careful. I think many of us take our energy for granted, don't we, and just use coffee and sugar to help us get through
1: yeah yeah and of course if you get more rest <laughs> yeah and you're
0: getting
1: you'll get more energy yeah and it's, food, of course
0: so. yeah it is interesting how the energy thing it sort of links into Rachel Courses um podcast I don't know if you had any, and there was a few things that came out of hers what was anything particular from Rachel's that made you sit up and notice
1: yeah, Rachel was our a, a nutritionist or nutritional therapist um, and she talked about really getting in control of ourselves and empowering ourselves so that um, we would help ourselves eat the right kinds of foods and she talked about the sorts of foods that would boost our resilience and really sort of, um, decrease our stress le- levels. I don't know if you remember, talked about uh, vitamin Bs and magnesium and um, those things that
0: are good for the the nervous system. Yeah, and everyone bangs on about diet, don't they? And yeah. um, it's it's so faddy at the moment, especially this time of the year. And it is actually quite interesting just to be able to. And i think I was you know the point you made about taking vitamin D supplements during winter. It's actually quite interesting just to just to think actually if I want to maintain my energy levels, there are choices. You don't just have to do the usual way. Having a you know, having a different diet can can be the answer, can't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah, and it is, it is you, you know, if you, if you have children or whatever, you can see that what they're eating affects their mood swings and that kind of thing. So it really is really is a, a huge thing, I think. So.
0: Yeah, it is interesting, isn't it? Because often, we, um, often we're the, the fastest thing to fix when we're feeling stressed or anxious or whatever it might be is our physiological responses. And actually if our food's all over the shop, and her energy is all over the place. It is actually quite hard to get a grip of that. So yeah, yeah. I think I think the those two interesting those two did actually pull together the same ideas. And actually, then of course we had um, um, the physical fitness aspect coming into energy as well, which was was that, was that Holly, wasn't it? She was quite oh. remarkable.
1: Yeah, yeah. Holly was um, uh, did her her natural bodybuilding. Mm. So that was. Amazing how how much actually she did regulate what she ate. Um, that wowed me. Even like going to her mum's and where she wouldn't eat a uh, you know a roast dinner or, or whatever. She stuck to her regime and it's that that planning, isn't it, and self regulation that really took her to where on her path to um, you know getting somewhere in that area.
0: Yes, and it is interesting because. If people have funny attitudes about food and drink. I mean drink particularly. I was talking to someone recently who was saying they'd given up drink and um and they said, Well well surely you'll have a beer and they said no no um I don't drink anymore and they said, Well, okay, well I'll just give you a glass of wine. People and people don't sort of see people don't see certain categories of food as being difficult and certain categories of alcohol as being problematical, do they? And yeah. I mean having that level of personal discipline to to be completely focused on the the goal, and then be able to say, but of course, this is the point about planning and having a sense of purpose. If you know what you're aiming for, you can. Those choices become a lot easier, don't they? Yeah. And I think um, she probably, I think she's one of the few sports people we've interviewed so far, or um, people in that sort of more competitive world. And I think it was quite interesting how that how that sort of mindset was built by having a really really strong set of guiding principles and goals and ambitions. So your strong sense of purpose definitely helps you with your resilience because it allows you to take the right choices, you know, once you've committed to something.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that definitely helped hers because she did mention how that if she had a biscuit, she wouldn't just have one biscuit, she'd eat the whole packet. Oh, tell me about it. it. (laughs) (laughs) It's also, it's knowing yourself as well and knowing that, you know, you've got to put other things in place to stop you doing
0: Sundays. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And sometimes this it habits thing is be. because actually we have habits because we eat at certain times and in certain places. And you know, I often find um, certain days like coming back from work on Thursday or Friday night when it's cold miserable, you come in and you think, Oh, this will be the night to have a takeaway because that's the habit, isn't it? Rather than saying, Well, look, let's go tonight or something, or Let's, let's go dancing, let's go dancing. Bum 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 bum. Very exciting yeah Ah, no you're absolutely right and i think actually what you also talked about in terms of energy not not just the self-discipline thing was the was the diet stuff but also just the the exercise and you know just doing normal exercise because she's not doing massively weird gym regimes i mean she is in the gym but she's not she's not doing like eight hours a day she's doing you know quite healthy i mean i've met holly so you know it's actually quite interesting to to be able to put the face, the face to the name sometimes, and see that you know, in a normal work context, you, you know, you're not looking at someone that looks like one of these archetypal, you know, sort of Muscle Beach type people. She looks just you know, like anybody really. But yeah. this, you know, between her ears is this fantastic brain that's been able to harness her potential in terms of doing this amazing feat. Really, I was quite quite staggered by that. I met her on a course, funny enough, where she first pitched up with a. A pot of green, horrible look liquid, which she was drinking. It was some sort of drink, <laughs> and it was what got me interested. and We started chatting about the whole um, physio- physiological side of it, and some of our colleagues are very good at this, aren't they? They have dietary regimes and such like. Anyway, yeah. we're going to we're going to publish something called the Brazilian Diet soon. That'd be fab. Looking forward to that. That would be good, not yeah. yeah, I'm really excited about that. Okay, so that was uh, that was that one. I liked, enjoyed that, and we've talked about Holly's a yeah. little bit. Is there, what was the next one that caught your attention? Ooh.
1: Um, Peter Fisher was our um, violinist, um, he's a musician and director, and he talked about how um, his performances affected him, how he got real sort of nervous tension and anxiety before and during his performance and how he sort of tried to get through that. So I think it's quite a, you know, with performance. it's, it's uh, about, uh, you know, it's not, well, it's not a popular thing, but it's a very... Um,
0: Well, what's interesting, you've hit on a really interesting point there, because, I mean, in business, we look a lot at the examples of sports people. And, um, you know, often what these sports people are doing is doing one performance every four years or something. Whereas what musicians are doing is a performance every single night and sometimes the same performance night after night which is much more similar to work isn't it i mean if you're yeah. like if you're a change manager and you're doing a or a project manager and doing project updates or rollouts and you know consistently presenting to people you know and learning to deal with that that performance in the moment or you're a manager running team meetings which are difficult or whatever it might be you know that's much more akin to what what peter's doing is that constant performance thing isn't it you yeah know, dealing with the anxiety dealing with the, 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 the things that might go wrong but being practised because the thing is, I mean, Peter is—I mean, people might not have heard of him, but he is a sensational concert orchestra, concert violinist, I should say, and um, you know, he's—he he's, is the real deal. He can be found leading the BBC Symphony Orchestra or any Philharmonia, you know, and you know, playing in all sorts of different places. But you, you don't get there by luck. And I think one of the things Peter talked about was this: you've got to do the work. You, and if you—and a lot of times in business, we sort of think it's okay just to busk it and to, you know, we we'll go on a training course, we'll learn how to do appraisals. The next time we sit down, we're doing an appraisal, we've got someone in front of us, and it's the first time we've even thought about it since the course, and we've not practised, we've not rehearsed, and that's something that musicians do to manage anxiety, to manage nerves. And I think it's, I think, I think we undervalue work as a concept, you know, just literally effort and practise and rehearsal. I mean, I don't know if I've mentioned this, Janet, but I'm quite clean and strictly come dancing. And, uh <laughs> And you look at how much people like Danny are rehearsing. the four, twelve, thirteen 12, 13 hours a day. I mean, you know, you, that's how people get good over a short period of time at anything. And that's where confidence comes from, isn't it? Because if you're yeah. confident, you tend to be, to know you can do it. And you know you can do it by rehearsing, practicing over and over and over again. It's,
1: yeah. That's interesting. Because you, do you remember um, David Carey? He talked to us about um, how to create a great interview when you're going for a new job. Um, that was... This kind of aspect as well, it was um, developing your confidence by rehearsing what you're doing, wasn't
0: it? Yeah. And people asked us why we um, had an interview specialist in the middle of our podcast series, but actually, if you if you need to know where you're going, if, you're, if you have a sense of purpose and you need the right job, sometimes that process of um, being good at interviews helps you go for any job. And sometimes go for a job that perhaps you're not ready for, but you can have a bash at. Good interview technique is really important. And he did talk about this idea that yes, you're right, practice, but also about putting yourself through it. You've got to you've got to go for these things and and have a, have a go at them, haven't you? you yeah. Don't, you don't get you don't get the next best job by not going to the interview or not being prepared.
1: No, that's right. Yeah, that's that's um, something that David Fisher was talking about. He was talking about the importance of keeping doors open or opening doors yeah. when he talked about um, playing at his hairdressers. Yeah. Because I can't remember why, can't remember why I did it, but um, it just so happened that s- somebody else was sitting while he was playing, and then he ended up playing on um, some cruise ships and things, didn't he? So yeah.
0: it's like keeping your options open as well. There's, it's really interesting, because um, what's his name? Richard Wiseman has written a book called something like The Science of Luck, and um, he talks about the actual definition of luck and whether people are lucky. And what he says is people tend to that have more friends or have more contacts or people in the network tend to be luckier. And it's because actually they've got more opportunities to network and see connections between things. Yeah. And, and you're right. That's all Peter did. I mean, you know, he's, he is a gifted performer who doesn't mind playing whenever. I think it's just, he was playing at the, the service station once, got the buzzard broken down. And say, go on, give us a tune, which is what people often say to musicians. Then, of course, Peter does, because um, yeah. he's, he's not phased by that sort of thing. And that idea of being able just to do stuff is really important. You know, having the confidence just to talk to people and to network is, you know, is really important. And if you're, if you're shy and introverted, it's tougher to do. It doesn't mean you can't do it. It's just tougher to do it. You know, yeah. it's, um, it's really important to, to manage your shyness and manage your anxiety around other people. And you know, just sometimes, just say stuff. I remember um, an old colleague of mine, um, Tim. He used to um, he he met one of his biggest contacts, uh, business contacts, because his kids were their kids and some and his other kids were swimming in the pool. He got chatting to someone next to him. It turned out it's CEO you of know, a large, a large building company in the area, and they ended up doing you know all this sort of work together. Yeah. And, couldn't, you know, if just, they could have easily just sat there and said nothing to each other. And it is interesting. There's no doubt in resilience terms. I think one of our other guests talked about this. In resilience terms, you've got to have a support network. You've got to be able to reach out to your network, haven't you? You've got to be able to talk, to share, to discuss, just to say stuff. Um, yeah. Wasn't it Antonia who talked a little bit about this? And That's
1: right, yeah. Know. She said that was a big thing in resilience that she found with people um, who had... Um, struggles earlier on, those that got through in later life were those with, um, you know, good networks, good support networks around them. Yeah.
0: <coughs> yes, it is interesting because, I mean, I'm, I'm someone that doesn't have a massive network. and I'm an only child and all that sort of stuff. I'm more introverted than most. Are you going to start crying soon for me?
1: So you don't um, have a massive network. Who don't you know, Russell? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's the point.
1: But well, I did that you are introverted. But some people may not realise that. <laughs>
0: yeah. But it is interesting because a lot of people do find it tough. I mean, you know, uh, for example, if I'm running a training course or whatever it might be in the evening, I like to go away and be on my own because actually spending a day with people is, is hard work. Yeah. And, you know, colleagues of mine um, that work with me are great extroverts and they're fantastic that, you know, any excuse to get down to the bar, not because they don't want to drink, just because they get really energised talking from people. Yeah. And two people, and it's you know it's a it's something we have to think about quite carefully. If you run out of energy when you're networking, because it's um, it's something that needs to be managed. And something I used to find in the evenings, going to a networking event, for example, I used to have to sort of you know do a little bit of meditation or a little bit of deep breathing or whatever before I went in, just so I was in the state where I could deal with it really. And yeah. um, and then you can look confident, you can look practice and plan because you've you've sort of harnessed your energy back. Yeah, so Antonia, Antonia was interesting because she she was she's a very respected psychologist, and she talked about what resilience being weathering the storm, She talked about it, didn't she? And yeah, wasn't there something about being cuddly or something or other?
1: Yeah, she also talked. Yeah, the negative side of resilience because um, and resilience is not cuddly. That's what she said. That's it. Um, how you can be almost sort of toughened by resilience um, and maybe less empathetic, yes. which is. Yeah,
0: I can see where she's coming from there. Yes. It is interesting that, that the more resilient people, the, more people who, the people who are the most resilient are the people who have gone through stuff. Yeah. And I was talking to someone quite recently. He was telling me that they've been through depression. That made them weak. And I was sort of pointing out, no, you've been through depression. That makes you a survivor. And it's a difference, isn't it? That's really important mindset to have because we only get resilient by facing it, not by running away. Yeah. And I think um, Antonia's thing is interesting. It's And it's completely the opposite of Dr. Michael Pluse, isn't it, who talked about um, a, a subject that's really blown us away, hasn't it, and really led to some quite interesting work around highly sensitive people.
1: Well, I think, yeah, I think maybe it's the combination of resilience and being highly sensitive that is the icing on the cake, I think, for many leaders. Mm. Michael Ploose was is from... Queen Mary's University, wasn't he? And he he had the idea that um, being sensitive um, was often seen as a weakness, but it can give you a real edge. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. It's interesting. You know, funny enough, I was talking to someone this very morning about this. We're doing some coaching, and they were um, they're highly sensitive, and they were very good at reading politics in a room. And they were very be able, good at being able to just pick up the, the subtle vibes and body language cues that go on between people because they're very sensitive. The issue, yeah. be, the issue was because they're sensitive though, they were too, they were often too unskilled to turn that into practical action. About what did they do about that? How did they make that work and change? Yeah. So highly, sensi- highly sensitive people have this this sort of a unique toolkit, which if you can bolt on other skills and abilities, can make them extremely effective at work. Yeah. Because you often find these, um, we often find on training courses, we talk about the sensitive the people, the high maintenance people, and everyone's raising their eyebrows to heaven, going, oh my goodness, they're the hardest ones to deal with. And often, you know, they're the people that find, you know, the people that um, have this ability to notice that you're wearing a new tie or you've had your hair changed, and they point that out because it's important. But they also notice, you know, if you're making a noise or or, or if you're breathing heavily as well, because they have yeah. that degree of sensitivity, and it's. It's a strength that's, that can become a social weakness as well. So yeah. we're, set, we're going to do a lot of work in that area over the course of the next three to six months with um, uh, Dr. Plus. So I'm hoping we'll have some quite interesting news to report on that.
1: The yeah, that would be really exciting. Yeah, it is. Yeah.
0: So um, anything else? Anything has struck you from anyone? Any others that are left? Oh, yeah. Probably.
1: Do you remember Becca Dean from the Girls Network? Yes. She had a really brilliant phrase. Um, that was you can't be what you can't see.
0: Yeah, very practical, isn't it? Yeah, it is very practical. And we talk a lot about authenticity and integrity and such like. And you know, if you don't live, if you don't live who you are, then that's a real problem, isn't it? And um, I mean, that's a fantastic organisation, isn't it? That Girls Network, you know. Yeah, the, the effect of like
1: mentoring, you know, yeah. on on well, not just that. That was. Children and teenagers, but the effects of mentoring on anybody
0: are huge, aren't they? Well, there's no doubt. if you look back at what we just said about Tony, Tony's our argument about having a network that makes you more resilient. If part of your network is having a strong, you know, in this case, a female role model, you know, that's going to be good for anybody who's, you know, who's in the teenagers and can easily, you know, get in the wrong path or. Become the victim of their own sort of puberty and you know feelings and you know social media angst and such like. If you've got someone alongside you that's not just a parent, it can be it can be very powerful for you, can't it? Can't it? Yeah. Oh, definitely.
1: Yeah, having somebody that isn't your parent is I'd yeah, say sorry. that is key to a lot of young people.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, okay. Anything else? Yeah. No, you
1: Becky Rainford. She was. She was a coach. That's right. So what is the difference between a mentor and a coach?
0: I think um, a mentor often has the aspect of career guidance. And um, it often works within an organisation. So they have a black book and they can introduce you to people and they can, you know, um, help you get access to opportunities. Um, whereas a coach tends to work on a specific specific techniques, in the moment, by using particular issues, so coaching can be part of mentoring, but mentoring, right. mentoring can 't be part of coaching
1: yeah
0: yeah so you often find a mentor can be good at coaching, counseling, career guidance, and you know facilitating contacts and, and networks
1: mm-hmm.
0: which is why in um, entrepreneurship, you often talk about um, having um, a business mentor because that 's someone who 's ahead of you who 's already you know, done the battle, you know, face the battles you faced and could come and tell you what needs to happen. Whereas a coach doesn't need to have that information. It's more about the coach that explores what you currently have rather than giving you an answer from a different place.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah,
0: that mentoring organisation, I think Jackie talked about that a lot. She, she's got some interesting, because she does a lot of career guidance, isn't she, with youngsters and um, more experienced people as well. Yeah,
1: that's
0: right. And I'm a real believer that if you know where you're going in your life... Um, then you choose the career you want that helps you get there. And I think a lot of people make the mistake of saying, what job do I want to do? And then you end up not really sure what career you're trying to aim at because you you don't really know what you you want the career to deliver. Yeah. And interestingly, coming up next year, we've got um, a guy called Patrick Waller who's going to talk about financial resilience and your ability to decide what you want to do in life and then fund it. And uh, that he's got some quite interesting ideas about that. So that will be coming up in the new year.
1: Yeah. Okay. We've also got um, we've got some more about about music, haven't we? With Steve Gilbert from um, Sofa Sounds, how uh, music affects our resilience.
0: Absolutely. I mean, this guy is really interesting, and the organisation he works for, where basically small groups come and perform in your house or your living room. And I don't know you've done that, haven't you? You've
1: I have. So yeah. I <laughs>
0: And <laughs> I mean, and he, it's, you know, it's, it's a really interesting thing because he talks a lot about the, the physical effects of the music actually hitting your body at such a close distance. And, yeah. and, and you know, it's really interesting. You know, I'd, I'd not, I'd, 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 you know, when you, when you think about stress and you talk about exercise and such like and, um, and meditation and mindfulness, you know, helping with the effects, but there's no doubt that music and laughter are two of the other things that really, really help. Yeah. and uh, I know we're going to be talking to some specific people that are helping with laughter, but also we're going to continue our music thing because I think it's a very important and underexplored resource for a lot of a lot of people.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. One of the things I look think about when I look back on all of them, um, a couple of things struck me, one which is this idea of passion, this idea that they have a purpose, this idea that they're heading in a direction. Even if that direction, it doesn't have to be changing the world, it doesn't have to be... Um, any more than them just being involved in their own lives. But it's this idea of the sense of purpose. It's very attractive when people have, attracting I should say, when people have this sense of knowing who they are and where they're going. And it doesn't be a job,
1: does it? No. Or, you know, in work, it can be... No. Anything. A passion, can't it? Yeah, that's
0: yeah. right. Well, you think of some of your ha- hobbies. I mean, they're things that you are very, very motivated to to do and, and they give you a lot of enjoyment and life's, right. a, life's about enjoyment, isn't it? It's about making a difference sometimes, so why not?
1: Yeah.
0: And, of course, I know you've got a terrible job and an awful boss. I've heard, <laughs> I've heard tell. I <laughs> <laughs> Um, So the other thing, what else struck us? You, you said there was something as well that struck you as a, um, the, yeah. the work thing. I think, I, think, I think work's gone out of fashion as a concept. I think a lot of... Um, I think a lot of a lot of us have grown, especially in businesses, to to expect that we just get it handed to us on a plate, and we've forgotten to work. We've got to put the hours in and such like. And I've been reading works by Stephen Pressfield recently about deep, deep work. And um, it's interesting when you talk to people in organisations about this idea of them doing like a customer service desk dealing with tickets really really fast. You lose the capacity to do really deep work to, win a work on a very big document, a huge project. Yes. and um, you know, work at a very um, sort of intricate level, and a lot of people only get that when they do like a master's qualification or something. If you look enough to have an MBA or an MA or something, or any sort of degree a level seven, you know, you can. You, there's a way of thinking which comes from development, which I think a lot of people lose out on if they don't do it.
1: So you're saying we do a lot of things, skim over a lot of things.
0: Yeah.
1: But if we did them in more detail, like resilience, if we did it in more detail. Yeah. It has more of an effect, yeah.
0: yeah. If, we don't, if we don't invest in ourselves, and if we don't invest in our capacity to think and our, you know, being mindful about ourselves and our minds and our ability to build our working memory and our, and our thinking muscles, then, you know, it's no surprise when we get flabby and, you know, physiologically, our brain, you know, is less effective as we get older because we're just not using it enough. And we know for example things like the taxi driver experiment where the hippocampus is regrowing and extending and now we didn't think ever that the brain could regrow we didn't realize it could get more you know the, the connections within it could become better ingrained and you know more useful as time went on we just thought the brain was dying from the, the moment we were born and it's just not true and what's interesting is one of the podcasts coming up next year is uh, about a man who's um super fit um Uh, who who has started a new career and has set all sorts of physical endurance records and he's 97 and he's absolutely clear he's absolutely clear if you stop using your brain (laughs) you'll you'll get the brain you deserve and he talks even about some of the dementias and such like and he's absolutely um, inspirational for anybody who's thinking about you know, who's a little bit older and thinking about retirement he's got some very very interesting views there
1: yeah, and that's it. that's that is good because he's he's some people think oh you should never really retire from a job or whatever. You perhaps just work part time or something till you're old. But he's actually filling his time with real productive, you know, passions, isn't it? Really, yeah,
0: so it's it the place of work, isn't it? I think. Yeah. So he's he's something to look forward to. And I think. Whoops, was that the cat again? Um, I think over the course of the next quarter, we've got some really interesting stuff coming to keep our system, to keep our resilience podcast fresh. And we also invite people who, you know, who want to, to write in with questions. You can um, email or um, text us or hit us on Facebook. Um, If you want to email us, it's uh, info at qedod.com. Our Facebook page is
1: story to tell it would be we'd love to chat to you too too wouldn't we
0: you're absolutely right always delighted if you know someone as well or you've got your own story i think someone who didn't marry wingo approach us and she gave us an extremely interesting session oh. on stress remember yes. that
1: yes some really interesting um, things about why in this modern world we get so much stress and i thought i thought you know she that was a good overview makes you thinking about you know, the chemicals that are around us and our eating and our way we socialise with people and, you know, our, our sort of multitasking, all those things, how it affects our stress levels.
0: Good. Right then. Well, I suppose we should bring this little digest to a, to a halt because I promised to keep it under 30 minutes. So it's um, the length of a commute. Um, have you got anything else that you want to add in? I don't think so. Good yeah. point. well,
1: I'm looking um, forward to you know more podcasts next year because they've been well. I think they've been really enlightening.
0: So. Yeah, well, we've enjoyed doing them as well, and so we're going to definitely continue them. Um, as I say, you can always contact us, give us feedback. We'd love people to subscribe or give us a rating on iTunes because. Podcasts are free, um, and, but what we would love is some sort of feedback. It doesn't matter if it's a one star or a five star, we just love to hear from you. And as I say, if you want to contact us directly, you're more than welcome on info at qedod.com. And um, it's the end of 2016, and we'll wish you all a very resilient 2017. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Resilience Unraveled helps you create performance on purpose and you can find out more about us and resilience at qedod.com forward slash resilience or listen to more of our podcasts. You can also find out more about our courses, our webinars and free resources like ebooks and paid for courses at qedod.com. Otherwise, we hope you can enjoy more of our podcasts in the future.